And it's basically about the business of writing. And they tell you the stuff they wish that someone had told them when they got started as writers. You know, somebody can be a successful marketer and not necessarily provide a quality product. I'm going to let Moses go because he's frothing at the mouth to talk about this one. (laughs) (laughs) I like writing. I like reading. I like to immerse myself in books. That seems like a pretty good career choice. Oh, you sound terrible. What happened? I'm just kidding. Oh, man. (laughs) And now, pod structured on a Zeppelin by an apprentice mage and delivered by a rocket ship to a benevolent dragon. Adventures in sci-fi public. Sci-fi public. Moses Siragar with Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing, and I've got uh, a treat today. I'm hanging out on Skype with uh, Scott Nicholson. Uh, say hey, Scott. Hey, Moses. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great, man. It's really nice to talk to you. Uh, I've known Scott for, I think, about four years now. Uh, I originally met him on the um, J.A. Conrath's blog. We used to be some of the early re- revolutionaries over there talking about indie publishing, um, and uh, it's an honor because I've never actually spoken to him, but I've talk to him over you know email and facebook and things things like that quite a bit and over at kindle boards the writer's cafe and um then one of these days you get to meet someone you know slightly in person so <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah so for those who don't know scott um scott is really really truly one of my favorite authors today i could probably pull any of his books up off a shelf and just know that i could enjoy reading them so um that's another reason why i'm really uh, excited to talk to you scott and um Hopefully, you know, share your work with some more of our listeners as well. Um, Scott, I think an interesting thing that will come out today is Scott was was really one of the earliest um, pioneers, I think, in uh, indie publishing. And um, he's uh, he's done quite a bit in that realm. So I think just hearing you talk about some old war stories or even, you know, your thoughts on where things are today um, would be really interesting. And uh, hopefully you don't mind, uh, you know, rambling for a while about some things if I step back and let you talk. <laughs> Yeah, let's roll. Uh, hopefully, we're uh, more intelligent than we were back in those early days. <laughs> so, uh, so I don't know what what have what have you learned after all these years being an independent author? I mean, you you produce quite a bit. I mean, and you produce not in terms of not only in terms of output numbers of books. Uh, you mainly are writing. Do you call them paranormal thrillers or? Yeah, supernatural thrillers, some science fiction, little fantasy. Okay. Okay. Straight thrillers, mysteries, trying to branch out a little bit, but mostly the thriller umbrella. Right. Okay. So, you know, Scott not only is producing uh, quite a few uh, good books, but he's also producing really good books. He's also a very good writer, and I honestly don't know a whole lot of authors that I look at, and I think that this guy is prolific and also really talented in writing some really good books. So um, you're doing something right, and on top of that, you you kind of do the one-man band thing, don't you, as, a, as an independent author? Um, I look at someone like... Uh, Michael J. Sullivan, who uh, has had his wife essentially as like his publicist or, or publisher for a while, uh, where you know you, you, he literally had two people working toward his goals. But you <laughs> you accomplished quite a bit, pretty much on your own. Is that right? Yeah, back in the early days, I did it all. My wife does help me now with some of the um, record keeping and the, uh, the my, maintaining my website and other things and i used to do my own covers but i finally gave that up because i'm just not that very not that good at it and the you know the competition's so intense now that you really have to 
go out and find these uh, services and kind of that's one of the skills you need to have today is find good people to work with. That's true. That's true. Wow. Yeah. So um, you've you've been through a lot of the pricing wars I and mean, we're going to talk and just to warn you listener we're going to talk about a lot of indie publishing today now scott has been with traditional publishers too uh you were a, a winner of writers of the future once upon a time uh, i was just talking to dave farland about that uh, when i was at his workshop a few weeks ago so you've written quite a few things you're 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 st- are you still with thomas and mercer the amazon imprint the thriller sort of imprint with amazon I did two books, and I'm supposed to pitch another series, but I just haven't gotten around to. And I just did one for um, 47 North. So, yeah, I'm open to working with other people. And I've done some Kindle Worlds books. So, yeah, um, I believe in diversification. That's another thing we can talk about as we go. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, go ahead and and talk about that now then. And diversifying as a a sort of hybrid author, I, I assume, is what you're talking about, or writing different genres, or... Uh, yeah, kind of all of it, and translations and different kind of you know comic books if you can. Uh, I've done some children's books, working with some artists, and um, audio books, of course, through ACX and um, some small presses. So really, just trying to. Since I don't know the future, I hope to be in as many different positions as possible. So when something does work, I hope to be there. And I actually came through this uh, indie publishing, uh, part desperation, part inspiration. I was kind of, uh, you know, reading Joe Conrad's blog like many of us back around 2010. And I guess I'd watched him for about six months there in 2009 when the Kindle was just starting to come along. And I'd not had a book deal for about two years. And I had, you know, I had an agent and all that. I just couldn't get that next deal. And finally, I got the rights back to my first novel, and I said, okay, I'll put that up uh, on Candles, see how it does, along with a novella I'd had reprinted. Um, at the time, I was still in that ego trap of only hacks uh, self-published that I'd been raised on. <laughs> you know, right. The old trenches in the you know, the last decade uh, coming up with through the big pile of rejection slips and how you're supposed to do things and... Uh, finally, I decided I'll test this out, and then if somebody, you know, laughs, one of my peers laughs at me, I can say, "Look, it was a book I got the rights back, and it was dead." So I figured I I needed to get it back to life, and and it started selling, and I started putting up more books and more books and more books, and before I and the stuff I was trying to pitch to uh, publishers, I eventually just gave up on the publishers and put them up because it's like okay. Even if I only get 20 sales a month, that's 20 more than I would have had. That's a little bit extra money, and plus I'm getting readers. Or I can wait two years and hope somebody picks it up. Uh, And then by a year and a half, I quit my job and quit sending to publishers. (laughs) And figured out how to do this full time, and uh, it was really satisfying. And, you know, I can't overlook the fact that it's truly luck. There's a historic opening, a historic window right now in publishing. And I think people that are waiting too long on the sidelines are going to miss the whole thing because I'm, I'm a little bit of a doomsayer among my peers and that I don't think this is going to last like this forever. I think um, I think we're somewhere in the middle of the boom and the golden age, and it's going. To, we, most of us can already see it's getting tougher. Right. 
Yeah, you. I think early on, um, if Joe Conrath was, you know, the optimist, <laughs> you know, I think you were kind of the counterpoint. Even if it was just on a blog comment here or there, or on, you know, Kindle boards or something like that. But I always thought it was an interesting dialectic between, say, like Joe's point of view and, and your point of view, because, you know, you almost for a while seem to be like, well, we have no idea how long this is going to last, so just do everything you can right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, over, over, as these years have gone by, I, I am curious, you know, your sort of optimism and pessimism, uh, you know, and, and where you are in that sort of uh, spectrum. Uh, how has that developed to, to, to the present day? I'd say many things are evolving about like I figured, only not as quickly. You know, I see the pressures to me when Joe's talking about the digital long tail where you're selling your books forever. He's sort of in, sounds like he's envisioning, OK, we're going to get three ninety nine a book. Or sell them for three ninety nine, four ninety nine for the rest of our lives, and make two dollars a book. And I don't see that happening just because of uh, library sales, subscription services. You know what happened with Amazon Select and the Kindle freebies? Nobody could have foreseen that. Hmm. Um, when everybody's giving away tens of thousands of books, I gave away one point two million books during <laughs> that frenzy, and. Um, yeah, other pressures are coming along, just the sheer number of books and the natural, you know, the audience isn't coming in as fast as the new writers are coming in, I don't think. Hmm. So the uh, it's kind of all getting stretched a little thin from my perspective. That said, it's still a no overhead or, you know, a very low overhead way to uh, make a living that I, I'm sure most of the other artistic fields are jealous of us writers right now. Hmm. And I'm, you know, I look at my musician friends and they're making fractions of a penny for their downloads on Spotify and Pandora and those kind of places. And, hmm. you know, what's it going to be like for writers when we're making a couple of pennies a book instead of dollars? Wow. So you think, um, obviously, you think the ebook sort of uh, markets like Amazon Kindle or. You know, we can include other ones too, iBooks and Kobo and places like that. But you, you see those royalties coming down uh, quite a bit. Um, maybe in the not too distant distant future would be your crystal ball. Uh, yeah, like I say, I think we're in the middle of the boom, so I think the rest of this decade's pretty good. But if you're planning on, you know, okay, I'm going to wait ten years and then jump in, I think you're going to kind of miss a big boat. <laughs> okay, okay, that, that that makes sense. That makes sense. It's it's. You know, we see what's going on with Amazon and uh, you know Hache right now, right? Or Hachette, however people want to say it. But uh, mm-hmm. um, what, what does that open your eyes to? Anything? Only that things are going to change. They've changed so much in four years that I don't see how any of us could have foreseen uh, the changes, including, you know, look how many times Select has changed. I think there's been three or four distinct eras here already. In the beginning... Just because there was no competition, you could stand out just by publishing a book. Mm-hmm. You, go, you could actually go in the Amazon forums and say, hey, I wrote this book. And that was back before they started hating writers, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and then you, you'd immediately move up the charts. I mean, Amazon can change their algorithms, and that sends a ripple through the whole community. Right. Uh, they can change one thing, and it'll disrupt. Some Somebody's going to win, and somebody's going to lose every time they change something. So... They could slash royalties 35% like they did with the audiobooks. Uh, you know, this is all kind of really specific knowledge, only of interest to people who are really hardcore into indie publishing as a, you know, as a career. Otherwise, as a writer, I don't know. I mean, this seems like the easiest way to me to make money, unless you're getting six figures from a publisher. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, what is, by the way, what is the kind of current status of Select, by the way? I mean, it's you can still do it the same way, right? You get like the three-month window and you get the five days free, or do they change that as well? Well, you can get five days free or you can run a what they call a countdown deal where you make your book 99 cents and you get the 70%. So you're basically getting 70 cents per download for that week. Okay. And you kind of get some algorithmic uh, favoritism. If, if For a newer book, it probably will make a big difference. For an older book, I don't really know if it's worth it. My gut feeling, I used to have everything in select for the longest time, and now I feel like, um, you know, try out one term, maybe two. I've got some in for the third time, but it seems like the longer you're in there, the the diminishing return you're going to get. Yeah. Are you doing the – what do you think about the countdown deal versus the uh, the, fi- the five days free kind of plan? I, I don't really do free books anymore. I've, I quit that about two years ago for the most part, and I kind of went out into all the markets and – Personally, I see growth, more growth on um, Nook and Apple and Kobo than on Amazon. And partly, I think, is because I gave away so many free books that th- that's an audience I can't really reach again. You know, if they got my book for free two years ago, they can't even buy it. <laughs> right. Now. Even if they wanted to buy it, Amazon's little button won't let them. So. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because you were doing uh, a lot of bundles for a while there. Um, just some of your own, but probably, maybe probably with some other authors, too. And you guys were doing like you know, big free bundles and things like that, right? That was—I'm sure that was interesting. Well, 1.2 million freebies. I think I've maybe got you know half, you know, 50,000 or something at most with with, with mine. But uh, yeah, so that uh, turned you away from free books. It sounds like. Well, I still do some. I actually just started again with the novella. It's like it wasn't selling. I thought, you know, I may as well just give this away. So I may, right. you know, it may be another turn of the circle for me. Um, but I don't know the outcome. You know, I thought, on the other hand, I've got all these readers that I would have never uh, dreamed of getting. You know, back in the late 90s when I was breaking in, if somebody would have said, hey, we've got this button you can hit and, and reach thousands of free readers, we would have said, you're crazy. Where do I sign up? You know? Right. And then it happened, and now well, some of us are grumbling about it. So it's kind of <laughs> oh, That's funny. Wow. So you're still um, – are you still just producing as many books as you can right now, or are you still just kind of grinding that way? Well, I'm looking at four books a year as a goal, but I, I do a lot of collaboration. And, uh, you know, like you said, those box sets are really hot right now. We're, you know, eight, six-rate books for 99 cents and – it works to rejuvenate an older title. It helps with some crossover sales. Again, that's maybe another thing that kills the market, like the free books. It may be damaging by creating an expectation. There's definitely people out there who will never. Uh, my mom's one of them. She's never going to buy a book. She's got more than she can read for free. So <laughs> somebody gets 16 books for 99 cents, and it's funny to see how many books they can cram into one of these box sets. I think 16 is the biggest one I've seen. 16 <laughs> for 99 cents. So what's wow. You know, authors are making two or three cents a book there already. Right. That's so we're already down to the pennies per book. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, um, it seems like I've heard people talking about how, you know, uh, free is the new 99 cents or something too like um you know I, i've had my novel 99 cents uh, the black odds war for for some time now though i think i may raise the price soon uh, and finally do something a little different with it but but uh you know that's that worked pretty well for a while and i had a free novella leading into it and that 
got me a lot of, you know, a lot of audience. But uh, <clears throat> I think now it's like, do you think it's true that you just <laughs> you got to keep climbing down the ladder? And, uh, you know, I, obviously you're not doing as much free right now. But then again, you did 1.2 million free books a couple of years ago. So you're still probably riding off that a little bit. Because, um, I mean... It, I'm sure you attracted, you know, quite a few fans doing that, um, new people coming in and, and things like that. But yeah, I don't know. What do, what do you see people doing to try to sort of survive in the marketplace at this point and actually get, get some attention for their books? I think what's working, um, you know, that was working back then as well, only it took me a while to notice was to do a series and make the first book free. Yeah. You can do that in all the markets, and that's really the most effective way of advertising on Nook and Kobo and Apple and um, because there's not really any advertising sites geared toward uh, those markets, really. A BookBub is the best one, of course, but their rates are going up, and it's getting really competitive because they're doing such a great job of moving books that um, everybody wants to get on there. So, yeah. Um, Really keep doing everything. I, I really don't uh, I don't manage as much anymore, I guess. I feel like I built my catalog so much. I'm not always changing prices and tinkering and seeing what's different now. I kind of more focus on the, the front list and let the back list kind of cook. And once in a while, I'll drag, I try and focus maybe one, once a month, I'll focus on an old, older book and kind of pump it up a little bit. That's cool. Do you... Um do you feel like audio is an, is an important part of your strategy right now? You said you're with ACX. Is that? Uh, I, I know there've been some changes there that I'm not terribly abreast of. So, um, what's what's been going on with that? Well, they cut the royalty rate, which is making it harder to get producers. Cause you know, for a writer, I've already written the book, so it's easy for me to just give it to somebody and let them do the rest of the work. Yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, I've got another 10 to 12 hours auditing the book and making sure there's no errors before I approve it. So I do have a lot of time in it that, um, you know, I'm a long way from break even. I like it because it's another revenue stream. I like audiobooks myself as a fan, and I'm glad that there's a way to get in there without spending out thousands and thousands of dollars on a narrator. None of us, few of us would ever be able to afford that. So I think it's great, but it's just another piece of the pie. It's not the main main meal. Yeah, and ACX is is a, is something you'd recommend working with then. Yeah, I definitely believe it. If you uh, either can get a deal, and then after doing that, I kind of signed a deal for some books with a smaller publisher, uh, Podium Books, and I uh, have another small press deal. So I, I kind of got to the point where I was happy to offload some work. I'm kind of getting to about all I can manage right now. So, and you know, especially if they're going to market, that's still the no matter how you get it out there, you're going to be stuck marketing it, and that's that's where we all need some help, and we all need the secrets, and we all are you know still always exploring. Right. Hmm. So you live in uh, Boone, North Carolina, right? Correct. Okay. So you, how uh, how long have you been in that area? Uh, about twenty, well, thirty years. 25 years, something like that. Okay. Yeah, I always think anytime I get up to Appalachia, get up to North Carolina again, should should stop in and see Scott Nicholson because you just you seem like you're doing like the you're doing it right. You know, you're up there, you're you got your like chickens, right? You got like your kind of some land you're playing with there, but then you're riding too. <laughs> you know? It's like you seem like you got uh, your feet on the ground, but um, definitely doing some great creative work as well. 
Yeah, well, if gardening paid as well as writing, I'd be out there every day, but <laughs> now it's just the hobby. <laughs> so, um, The Red Church was is the title of your first novel, uh, the one that you said was the first title I think you decided to put on Kindle, right? Was it The Red Church? Yes, uh-huh. Okay. And I know for, for a while that was sort of your, your, your signature, you know, book, you know, the one that was sort of, you know, in the front because it was it had been published with a publisher a long time ago you got it back you sold quite a bit of it um at this point is the red church still you know uh, the first title you recommend to people that are getting into your work or do you recommend other other titles yeah i generally recommend that if somebody says where to start even though i tell you what most invigorated me about this was here was a book that was you know at that time eight years old and had been out of print for six, five or six years, and for it to come back and to get a new audience, that really encouraged me that, you know, not to say it's a timeless classic or anything, but that both, you know, personally that I wrote a book that, you know, still spoke to people, and professionally that, gee, I don't have to give this up for dead. Everything can find new life. I understand the old system of the paperback books and the publisher has to clear out the old ones and put the new ones in. It's not really set up to help authors. It's designed to help uh, bookstores and publishers survive, not to help authors survive. So I understand and I don't really have any resentments toward any publisher. That's just the way that that's just the way it works, you know, and then, you know, see your mass market books get out there and then vanish in uh, six months if you're lucky or now, paperback, you're lucky if it's out there six or nine months. Sometimes three months is all you're going to get. But um, in, in Kindle, they never go away or ebook. Right. So, in addition to the Red Church, are there any other titles that you tend to, you know, be some of your first recommendations from your catalog? Well, if you're uh, for science fiction people, I um, have a post-apocalyptic thriller series called After and. I'm working on the fourth book as well as writing a collaborating on the spin-off series on it. So I'm going to kind of make that a, a mini franchise. I kind of shudder at the word franchise because it sounds like a sellout. But commercially, it's a lot easier to write a series because you only have to market the one to sell a whole series. Mm -hmm. um, if it's, you know, people keep coming back to it. And so I'm going to kind of commit a year to that series and write six books. Uh, spin-off series of three and then um, do another series, um, hopefully pitch it with Thomas and Mercer and kind of uh, looking to slow down a little at this point. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you've been going going solid for a while. I mean, are you, are you someone who typically, uh, I mean, you seem like you work 20 hours a day. Like, <laughs> or, is that kind of, you've always been that way or... Uh, I think I worked harder in the earlier days when I had a job and I'd come home and work a full-time job on the business. Now I'm, I'm sort of loafing a little. I joke that I'm in semi-retirement. Um, this is kind of what I – this was my goal. I never wanted to be a number one bestseller, and uh, I didn't want to be somebody that had a lot of pressure on him, I guess. Um, to me, I'm willing to trade off uh, the pressure of trying to be top ten all the time and and content to just keep cranking along and living out here with nobody knowing what I'm doing. My, I think my neighbors think I'm a drug dealer or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, so, yeah, after is uh, – I see you've got a – this is interesting. You've got a, a book zero and a book one in, in the after suit. Is book zero uh, like a – preview length version or something or yeah it's a prequel and it's a, a free novella 
Okay. I was going to expand it to a full book, but I'll probably um, eventually make number one free when I get number four or five out. Right. Uh, so and then I, you know, it's kind of common to put a longer series. You can either put the first one free, second one ninety nine cents, and then third two ninety nine, then go up to three ninety nine. That's one common strategy that that seems pretty effective, and that's kind of fair because the reader gets uh, a, a free and low cost sample, and if they like it, they can go on and um, and still the, that's pretty cheap. You know, you get a whole series. You can buy at times. You can buy everything I've ever written for like forty or fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty insane. But you know, um, it was it was interesting watching you, like you were saying a couple years ago, uh, when you realized that. Um, you know, you seem to have realized that the the person, the first person to do something, is always in the best position. So, when you're doing those free box sets, you're like, you know what? Someone, if I don't do this, someone else is going to. <laughs> so, so here here we are. And while I can reach this market, while I can reach this audience, you know, here it is. So, um, I think you're an interesting one to watch. I mean, I I I feel like I can't even. I could watch what you're doing as like a part time job and just see all the ways <laughs> you just see all the ways you're promoting your stuff. And uh, and just trying to learn from what you're doing, um, but uh, you know you, you can keep us busy with that, so it's always cool. Um, so so it so after is the uh, dystopian sort of more of a sci-fi series you said right? Yes, sci-fi horror kind of a crossover. Okay, and uh, any other like uh, Red Church after any other titles that you'd like to recommend in particular? Um, I like some of like the home and really some of my older books that were more I guess Stephen Kingish. Uh, that's that seems to be my more natural voice and probably we're all you know, over the long term. Somebody looks back, they're gonna say, okay, he tried to be like you know, and st- he tried to stay in Stephen King's shadow. <laughs> 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 if I can successfully do that, I'll be happy. You know, he's one of my <laughs> favorite writers. And back when I was breaking in, that was who you you know if you were. A, commercial writer he was one of the big guys and dean coots that you wanted to emulate so hmm. and you um do you remember what year it was when you won writers of the future i think 98 i was a finalist and the next year i was uh, won the grand prize and that was about three years before i got a book deal wow okay i was a pup now i'm just a jaded old geezer <laughs> uh, but uh you know despite being gated, you're, you're jaded. Sorry, you're uh, you're definitely still taking action and you know moving forward and doing creative things. Uh, it's it's really cool to see what you're up to. You know, next next crystal ball for the next year or two in indie publishing. What what are you, some things you think we might want to watch out for? Things that uh, trends trends that are becoming stronger. You know, I think subscription services are going to be bigger, and uh, the major publishers are signing up on them. They're believers. Um, and, uh, you know, Joe Conrath has a library uh, model going where they're selling to libraries. Overdrive, you know, Smashwords is reaching a lot of new markets. Uh, foreign translations are, you know, the rest of the world is just catching on to this ebook thing. So there's opportunities there. And this is a big one that I think is a real killer for writers is the um, ad sponsored books. I really think that's kind of the going to be the tail end of the the pie where you're going to be able to make a lot of money again the first people in are going to do well and the and then it's going to get old and um i read some i forget what mcdonald's or some fast food chain gave away like 20 million ebooks they were educational thing but i can see these bolt kind of giveaways uh, with a sponsor or a 
or corporation doing it or or it's not going to be like you're reading the book and you know the the video comes on and interrupts you and says now for a word from your sponsor but i think it'll be <laughs> more like um um you know like they used to do the movies um this uh, on pbs this is sponsored by so-and-so company general electric or something and here's your book you know Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And authors will be making pennies, <laughs> if that. Wow. I actually have a real broad question too. You know, do you see? Look at look at just entertainment, right? And media and the way we're consuming entertainment uh, on our phones and tablets and you know whatever else comes next. And then you know, I, I, there's part of me that looks at writing as a profession, and I think. In a way, this is not really where humanity is going right now. <laughs> like the, the, we, we'd rather consume that story a different way than sitting down and reading. Of course, you still have diehard readers, and of course, like I love the written word, I love telling stories, and yet I look at it and I think, gosh, like you know, is this sort of, am I not really looking ahead if I, you know, if I focus on this? And yet it's like, well, that's what I have to do because that's what's in me to do. And so it's a strange, um, strange feeling when you you feel like you have to do something and you hope that it it turns out to be a good market for telling stories um but at the same time doesn't necessarily look to be where things are most logically leading you know and and for partly for the reasons that you're saying uh, what if we are getting paid pennies per book you know not too long from now so um what what do you what do you do when you think about things like that you know what, what do you settle in your mind well, uh, you know, in Shakespeare's time, the play was the thing. Uh, everybody went to the play, and that was your your community gathering, you know. And uh, now, if you have a play, you can't beat, get people there if you beat them. Um, <laughs> so I think things change, and I do think right now it's really exciting because uh, so many people have 1,500 books loading on, onto their uh, tablet <laughs> that – how, how are they going to read all those books or why are they going to, they're still going to follow their favorite writers. The other thing is generational. Um, as you know, we like to read because we grew up reading. My daughter likes to read because she's around reading, but kids that aren't around reading may not carry it on to their kids. So I think we're safe. And I'm sure I also think paper books are going to be around for the longest time because they last forever. Um, but we just can't have an expectation that things are going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Right. If you set your career up that way, you're doomed. You know, if you sit there and say, "Okay, I'm today. I'm making a thousand dollars a month on this book at three ninety nine. You can't think, okay, in twenty, you know, extrapolate the math out and say, okay, I can retire in five years. <laughs> I'm just going to be making this money the rest of my life. That's suicide. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, you've you've been around the block, you know, and you've you've been again traditional publishing. You've published through Amazon, independent publishing. Uh, you've you've written uh, quite a lot by this point. So, I, I feel like it's uh, appropriate to just say, you know, what general advice do you have for uh, for new authors, you know, aspiring authors, uh, people that are looking at indie publishing, um, you know, is it, what what do you condense out of uh, out of a lot of experience that you might be able to share? Well, if you're going it alone, I kind of shudder at the word brand, but you really have to start um, consolidating your identity, which is your voice, you know, your writing voice, your personality, all that stuff's going to come through your social media interaction. I'm not a big social, I like dabbling in social media, but I'm saying I'm far from an expert. 
I don't think there's any one secret. You know, you always hear, oh, you got to be good on Pinterest. And it's like, uh, yeah, sure. You don't have to be good at anything. If you I always say be good at what you're good at, if they're if that's your interest, um, use it to your advantage. And um, otherwise, really, it's got to start with the commitment to the craft and focus, write the best book you can and then expect it to not be very good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, right in the old days, they say they said write a million words and you'd be better. You know, my I think my third novel was the first one that got published. Um, so I was lucky, but I'd also written tons of short stories by then. So I had, you know, a, a pretty big backlog of rejection slips to kind of support me and keep me going and encourage me in those dark days. And and really, if you're going to, before you really worry too much about marketing, I think you need uh, three books out. But you don't want to waste. I think you got to learn it all at the same time. I know that sounds terrible, but you kind of got to hit the ground running. But you can't spend all your time um, focusing on your groundwork, or you don't do any writing. So you kind of got to balance it all out and do everything at once. Especially if you're uh, running your own operation. On the other hand, your costs are low. Your biggest investment is time, so it really comes down to your commitment. Right. Now you. I also look at you as a you know a good proficient writer, a, a, someone who does value craft, and I, I see the uh, the handiwork you know in your craft. Um, I, I'm sure you you started with a certain amount of talent, and I'm sure you worked on that. Um, you know what about authors who feel like they want to work more on their craft? Um, what uh, what advice might you have for them? Um, whatever tricks you into writing, you know, <laughs> uh, whether it's a, a workshop or a, you know a buddy team uh, or your passive critique circle, um, deadlines for yourself, um, a goal as opposed to a dream. You know, a goal is to say, okay, I'm going to finish this book in November and publish it for Christmas. That's a good goal. Or I'm going to write a thousand words a day or. 10,000 a week, whatever, or a page a day, whatever it is, as long as you're making progress, I think you're doing well because the very act of uh, staying with it kind of keeps the wheels turning even when you're not actually sitting at the keyboard. So I kind of, I, I do more in spurts these days where I kind of set myself a deadline and then goof off until it's too, until there's no other choice but to work. <laughs> Yeah, what 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 does a I don't know fairly typical day look like for you if you're working on your your books and uh, and that whole thing? Well, it's changed now that I'm really flexible with my time, and you know, if, and it also depends on what kind of marketing I'm doing. Or um, it's weird. I may like send a contract for translations to somebody, um, work on the reports um, to, that I pay people, my collaborators. Um, book some ads and then write, writing I kind of do more a binge like I said I'm more just kind of cluster it all together and it seems to be working because otherwise I just goof off if I don't have a set deadline believe it or not I goof off way too much but um, <laughs> yeah it's bare every day is different which makes it so refreshing you know it's, um, don't know what's going to happen we could all wake up tomorrow and uh, one of the Amazon may say, "Hey, we're tired. We're blocking out. We're closing down KDP." And <laughs> it's like everybody goes, ah. and you know, they're you, the world's changed. And are you ready for it? Mm -hmm. 
I always plan for the, you know, hope for the best and plan for the worst. That's kind of why I always, always err on the side of being cynical about all this, just so that I can be pleasantly surprised because it's never been as bad as I think it could be. <laughs> <laughs> so there's probably a truth somewhere in the middle between me and Joe that's the way this thing's going to turn out. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so now you're do- you'll write, uh, you'll binge write, right? You'll write a novel like you'll cram it into. How long would it take you to write a 90,000-word novel these days, then? Well, if I was focused, probably could do it in uh, six or eight weeks. I mean, you think three if you're doing four books a year. Now, I'm not writing that long anymore um, just because people aren't paying longer for – they're not going to pay extra for a longer book. I mean, some genres, you know, fantasy, they have expectations. But, you know, I've noticed more and more books are getting shorter because – um, uh, people just like the feeling of accomplishment of finishing a book. So, you know, even like you say H.M. Ward, she's writing 20,000 word books and putting them out every couple of weeks huh. and selling millions. Wow. And her audience doesn't seem to mind that they're really short. So uh, books, you know, the only reason they were 90,000 words in the first place was so that uh, the um, distributor could have so many, could have four books in a wire rack in the store. Mm-hmm. Now what does that matter? You know, it's kind of like not, it never it never was an artistic number. It never was like that was what was needed to tell a complete story. So really just got to write what the story needs. Okay. And if you were writing, you know, in six to eight weeks these days, what what would that look like? How many hours a day are you glued to the computer? I'd probably do four, four or five sessions. I'd probably do, uh, let's see, 5,000 words a day and four sessions is probably what I'd shoot for if I was doing a binge like that. Otherwise, I'd just shoot for 1,000 words. I think um, a, a day is a pretty good because, you know, those first couple of pages are the hardest. <laughs> uh. Once you do that, you can get in the flow, and it gets a lot easier. And that's why um, you know, some people can really crank them out, because once they get through the warm-up period, they just don't stop. <laughs> wow. They keep going while it's hot. And, uh, you know, I think H.M. Ward's blogged about her process, and uh, there's some people out there writing 10,000 words a day and uh, just cranking it out. And they just... There's some studies in efficiency, and they, they kind of look at what's their best time of day to be writing, and then they maximize their efficiency by looking at their whole life and seeing where they're most productive. I'm not that interested in being productive, so I don't really put that <laughs> level of effort into it. Uh, and I don't think that's any less artistic or creative. You know, It's just another way of doing it. Hmm. Yeah, and then when you when you're talking about you know four or five sessions in a day, you might spend is that you know like an hour or two per session or yeah, I do an hour, an hour and a half. I do morning, then before lunch, and then like okay, I'll uh, do it and then afternoon, and then um, writing at night, um, watch a show or something, or go out bike riding. It's kind of break up the day a little bit, but but it, it becomes like the main thing, you know. I yeah. think when I focus more. I think about it more and I write better when I am doing it like that because then it's kind of ever present. Yeah, and it's, it's I know when I get in those phases where I'm writing a lot, it's hard for me to like keep track of things like emails and phone calls and I guess I literally <laughs> literally doing one thing pretty much, but uh but then you but you're forced to pay attention to all that stuff when you've got so many things going on and collaborations and all these kinds of, you know, interesting 
promotional things that you're doing, um, you know, not to mention the translations and the audio and things like that. So it's uh, you seem to enjoy it, though. You seem to be having a good time. Yeah, it's real. It's like uh, I would never dream it could be this cool. Um, really, I never, yeah, I never imagined this ebook thing. I kind of had faith it would work out somehow, even when it was <laughs> kind of bleak there for a couple of years. But uh, I, and I was still writing even when I wasn't getting book deals. So I was kind of ready in a way that I had all these getting all these rights back. Plus, I had a stack of books that hadn't sold to publishers. So. I was kind of uniquely situated when an opportunity came up. So, but if I hadn't done the work, I couldn't have capitalized. So, that's about as far as I'll give myself credit for kind of being on the ball is that I was sitting at the right place at the right time. Right, right. Yeah, that's pretty much what I did, what I did too. I mean, differently than you did, but like to 2010, it was like like you said, you could just have an audience just by producing a book because there was only so much competition back then. And uh, now I'm about to get back in with a new novel coming out in September, but it's like I almost feel like I'm starting all over in terms of the promotion and getting the word out and stuff like that. I mean, I've got some audience from before, hopefully, knock on wood. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what it's like to <laughs> survive in this current environment. And, uh, you know, I'm prepared to wait until the whole series is done before I can really do some creative things with the pricing and some of the marketing and things like that. So definitely seems like it's uh, something where you got to be patient. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's a real different world than it was four years ago, and it's it's, it's been fun. It's, I, I think it's fun for guys like us to watch other people change their minds about indie publishing. You know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been to other conferences where every year the the panel on in, indie publishing gets slightly more and more, you know, favorable every year. And but really, that happened really fast when you really look at it in the blink of time that it is uh, in the history of publishing and um, how much things have changed in that way and. More and more, it just seems like I hear from people who saying that that's the only way they want to go, or uh, they absolutely want to include that sort of thing. So, so um, well, Scott is someone that uh, you know. Again, you can you can follow. He's on Facebook as Scott Nicholson, um, and your uh, your website is authorscottnicholson.com, I think. Uh, yes. Uh, it was interesting. I went, I went to your blog uh, recently, and then uh, I tried to find like a, like your read up on your current bio, you know. But I think it wasn't even on there. It was just books. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm hopelessly behind on all that stuff. Uh, back in 1998, I had the most cutting-edge author website out there. You know, I had a press kit, a digital press kit that uh, you could download, and then I got stuck in 1998. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I got I got lapped there. But, you know, I've never been into this indie versus – well, early on I was into this indie versus trad battle, and now it's just all that bores me. It's kind of like I don't care how people do it. Just be happy. And keep doing good work, and I don't. And who knows what's best? You know, you say right. we'll go this way, and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So I, I, I hate to even give advice because I don't want somebody's future writing on me, <laughs> right? And my guesses and uh, ego decisions and stuff. So um, just try and be happy. That's the hardest thing to be in this game. Yeah, well, that's a good. Uh good way to end for the day i think i really appreciate you spending some time with us and um of course listeners you can find scott on i know on facebook you're on uh, twitter as well um what's your twitter handle because i know there's more than one scott nicholson out there e, e. scott nicholson okay at e scott nicholson and um yeah scott's always he's always funny too he's always got uh, interesting things to say about culture and, and life and um he's uh, one of my favorite people to follow online as well so uh, check him out if you get the chance and uh We'll uh, catch you catch you next week with another interview. All right, thanks, thanks. Moses. Thanks, Scott.
Visit Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing for show notes, links, reviews, special guests, videos, and more. Email us at adventuresinsci-fi-publishing at gmail.com. Sound effects from the Free Sounds Project. Music by Asymmetry, found at musically.com. No authors were seriously damaged in the making of this podcast. <laughs>